0: Today on Security Science, Counting CVEs. Hello and thanks for joining us. I'm Dan Mellinger and today we're kicking off a quarterly update that tracks the progress of new CVEs issued on this quarterly basis. With me today is the, wait, what, what do I, certificate or CVE numbering arbiter of CVE himself, director of security research here at Kind of Security, Jerry Gamblin. how's it going, Jerry?
1: Good. I prefer uh, the count one CVE, <laughs> two CVEs. Yeah.
0: The count of CVE that is awesome. I man, I can't believe I missed that opportunity. Oh well, well we'll we'll keep going. You you do get to add CNA to your uh, your <laughs> list of job titles now, though. Um, nice. So. You know, I do want to kick off with a little bit of history into what exactly CVEs are, because we talk about them a lot. I mean, vulnerability management, you're in cybersecurity, you know what CVEs are. I don't know how many people know the full history, so we'll do that in brief detail. But first, Jerry, what got you interested in kind of tracking this number? I I understand you have kind of a bet with Ed.
1: Yeah, a a bet with Ed about how many CVEs there are going to be this year. Um, I think we've covered in an earlier podcast uh, the rise of CNAs, which are... Uh, numbering authorities that are allowed to issue CVEs, and and there are a bunch of them this year, and they keep getting added. So we're looking for for the number of CVEs to spike. I'm guessing above twenty thousand this year.
0: That's that's your over.
1: That that's my over is over right. twenty.
0: So what what's Ed think it's going to be? He uh, he agrees. Under?
1: Like yeah, mm. I mean it's not a super big bet, but we're we're expecting it to, to <laughs>
0: blow up. What I find is normally when you got some kind of a bet going, it makes for the best tracking, right? Like, people really get into it. So, (laughs) anyway, we'll get to the numbers real quick. Uh, First, I was just going to kick off. I wanted to do a brief history on CVEs just so we've kind of documented it on the podcast because we've never really gone into that much detail. So... Roll back the clocks, it's 1999, January, and the original concept for what would become the CVE list, it was presented by the co-creators of CVE, MITRE Corporation's David E. Mann and Steve M. Christie. So it was a white paper that was entitled, Towards a Common Enumeration of Vulnerabilities. So at the second workshop on research with Security Vulnerability Database, and that was in Purdue University. So January 1999. Shout out to Indiana. Yeah, Indiana. And from that original concept, a working group was formed. Ultimately, those people would become the initial 19-member CVE editorial board. And it all started, important number to remember, 321 CVE entries. So that's where all of this started way back in September 1999. So how many years have been now? Twenty-two. 22. 22 years, 321 CVEs. So vulnerabilities that existed went from zero to 321 in 1999. And Jerry will tell us how many it's gone to since uh, january of this year um within a year so by december 2000 there were 29 different organizations um so microsoft i'm sure you know cisco things like that were actually building products that were compatible with the cve numbering scheme so they were uh, basically mapping themselves to this list and then another significant factor um to adoption is security advisories started using CVE IDs basically to be like, hey, people, we know that there's this bad thing out there. Here's the CVE ID. Go reference that list for more detail, right? From there, it kind of makes sense, right? Numerous OS vendors started um, including CVE IDs into their alerts to ensure that everyone kind of knew what was going on. Um, As soon as it was announced, which is still a best practice, and we just actually recently did a... um, Responsible quote unquote slash coordinated disclosure podcast with Ed recently. Another big uh, pickup is a lot of these kind of public um, watch lists. So vulnerability watch list started um, using CVE as the the basis, right? So OWASP Top Ten, web application security started including CVE IDs. You know, for lack of a better storytelling, right, this is how they became named. So we started getting um, publications, news media outlets, dark readings of the world are using CVEs and sometimes uh, fun marketing based names for vulnerabilities. But use CVEs as the basis to name and, you know, basically provide a reference to any of the vulnerabilities of the day that they're talking about. Woo. From there, we go into the uh, National Institute of Standards and Technology. So NIST, if you work in the government, you know what NIST is. Um, Initially released in 2002 and updated in 2011, they started recommending the use of CVE for any type of software, any of the hardware that had to do with uh, networking or technology. And then in June 2004, the U.S. Defense of Information Systems Agency, DISA, issued a task order for information assurance applications that requires the use of products that use CVE identifiers. So now, not only are you encouraged, but you have to use (laughs) products that use CVE identifiers. And then that'll kind of bring us to where we are today. CVEs are rapidly expanding, and this is primarily due to the uh, rollout of CVE numbering authorities or CNAs. So while Jerry is the count of CVEs, um, CNAs are these numbering authorities. And this program is basically they allow certain software vendors and technology providers to reserve and submit their own vulnerabilities. So every CVE entry added to the list is assigned by CNA today. So Microsoft, Apple, Amazon, they're all CNAs today. And um, there's that list keeps growing and growing and it's kind of automated and there's no controls and almost anything can be submitted. So that kind of brings me to where we are today, Jerry. Jerry, CNAs, how do you feel about that?
1: Let's have a rant. Um CNAs are a great idea. Uh, We need more people to be able to report CVEs. Uh, The issue is the data quality isn't always the same, right? I believe there are around 12 fields that need to be filled out for every CVE for the NVD. They're supposed to be filled out and completely filled out before they're submitted and submitted on a timely basis. Not everybody's doing that. Not everybody has the same definition of what qualifies for a CVE and what doesn't qualify for a CVE. I did the CVE stuffing uh, blog earlier this year about all those Docker uh, container vulnerabilities that came out. The the CVE board actually went back and said, yeah, we shouldn't have issued those. And they're, they're rewriting the rules on that. Just recently, one single version of a Starbucks mobile app for iOS got a unique CVE, which is an interesting use case, right? That's kind of where this how many CVEs are there going to be started. Uh, if you just think about every time you update your an apps on your phone, I think Starbucks updates its mobile app every other day, it seems, for my app store. Yep. So if they start I would say so. cutting a CVE for every one of those, like every time they fix something that's security related... Starbucks applications could have a 1,000 CVEs on their own. So it really goes back to to what you were talking about. The original ideal for CVEs were to make a universal tracking um, data set so that people could know and understand. And to be completely honest, and and we can actually do another blog on this, and we probably should about the data quality, until about 2014, 2015, it wasn't – to, to see complete data sets in the CVE data was super rare, right? Like it was always missing something. About yep. 2015, I think that the government stepped in. Uh, Michael knows the backstory because I've talked to him about it before. And they said, you got to clean up the data. So I think they hired a bunch of interns. And from 2015 <laughs> to today, you don't see very many incomplete CVEs in the data set. But back from 2015 to, to you know 1999, it's not odd to see... Just big holes, right? Like CVEs with maybe just the name, no description. So they've got better, but the opening of the CNA has probably pushed them back towards the Wild West. Just for a little bit, I'm hoping, until everybody can get on the same page of what needs to be in there and and what what really should be a CVE and what shouldn't be.
0: You know, it's interesting. You bring that up. When I was looking over the kind of top vulnerabilities of the decade, right? I I was seeing this... um, uh, commonly, with Adobe, was a good example, actually. Almost all of their vulnerabilities were grouped into these kind of very broad classifications. And you can tell they just cut and pasted the same description yeah. for. Everything that was like, this is a cross-site scripting with remote code execution. I'm like, that's a big deal. How bad is this? And But they had the same exact description of the vulnerability for every single one of them. And there's, you know, it was Adobe in 2001 was a little bit. uh,
1: Yeah, it was just something they had to do. They didn't know, right? Like it was going to go into notes. But it's become the glue that kind of holds the the internet and the security world together. Uh, We've seen some issues recently with... With it not updating, our phone of the month for Kenna last month didn't have a complete NVD page until like three days before we printed it. It was that Windows Defender vulnerability that was patched in February, and we were writing a blog about it. And on March 3rd or 4th, whenever we we're, we're like, hey, the NVD data still isn't here, right? And they yeah. finally... They finally updated it, but Microsoft had a full CVE information page in their CNA that had all the data. But MITRE had just frozen up and didn't get that data updated in that 30 days. So, I mean, it's causing issues in the security community ar- around that quite a bit.
0: Yeah, yeah. And well, and you know what? And rumor has it that uh, your uh, CVE stuffing blog, so Jerry wrote a blog. Um, that was on your personal blog, right? Yeah. And um, tweeted it out, um, just talking about this, uh, I, I think your example was a ton of these kind of cross-site scripting vulns for different websites and web applications, right? That was It
1: was a container vulnerability that allowed root, but it wasn't exploitable in most cases. So it was a low-level CVE that was part of Alpine OS, and, and they had patched that. There you go. But somebody went and found every container that had that version of Alpine OS and started cutting CVEs for it.
0: Which goes back to our discussion on kind of like using open source tools and using other people's code. And we know that most code is someone else's code, right? (laughs) 95% is what we're saying. Yep. And so if you go back and you use something that has a CVE in it, and now these people are going through and like, okay, let's mine every single web app piece of software that has ever used this code base, then you can... You know, basically to your point, stuff with things that are less meaningful, and get a ton of CVEs under your belt. I guess if that's your main goal, tell your boss I found this many CVEs this month.
1: <laughs> it used to be a a badge of honor, and and I guess it still is uh, as being a researcher, having your name connected with a CVE means hey, you found something, you, you've done the right cycle, and they fixed it. It means you probably worked through the the right kind of disclosure path. So it's a badge of honor, but you know. It, it might just be too easy now. If there's you know, twenty five thousand of them a year or whatever.
0: Yeah, that makes a ton of sense. Well, and rumor has it that that blog created uh, a couple day board meetings. It's, I think it's not to, a rumor.
1: Uh, you can we can link to the to the <laughs> board meeting minutes where they talked about it.
0: Yeah, so Jerry's blog got uh, the CVE uh, editorial board uh, trying to address this issue of how you know, whether or not these vulnerabilities should exist the way they are. And do you know if they came up to a resolution on that?
1: They decided that they shouldn't be in there, but they're trying to figure out how to how to write the rules more clearly so that people giving out CVEs know, right? Like looking at it, I mean, it's the problem, right? Like, honestly, that it's pretty obvious that those shouldn't have been cut. But like, how do you write a rule that says don't give out the CVEs and make it understandable to
0: the CNAs. Huh, well, so Jerry's changing the CVE process live here. (laughs) Um, But I think that's some good uh, background just, you know, so the audience has a good ground understanding of kind of the history in CVEs and kind of where we're at now, which, you know, it's unique, because having a lot of CNAs, you know, companies that can issue these, is it ultimately a good thing? Um, I think, Jerry, to your point, there's just some teething issues on, you know, How do we standardize on this? Because some things um, are prone to human interpretation, so they may not be uh, as cut and dry as we need them to be. But let's get into it. What does the first quarter of vulnerabilities look like, Jerry? So
1: in the first quarter of 2021, we've had 2,775 unique CVEs issued by NVD. Wow. That is 31 per day, every day of the year. (laughs)
0: OK, so let's let's go back. The very first kickoff of CVE started with 321 entries. I think uh, what if we track back a little bit, we maybe broke 5,000 in the early 2010s. Now you're telling me we have over 2,500-ish yep in the first quarter. do you want to guess how
1: many were in the first quarter of 2011?
0: Uh, 1,500?
1: 716. Wow. So I think it's a 290% increase from 2011 to 2021.
0: Wow. That is so 700 to now, what did you say the number was again? 27, let me, uh, yep, 2775. Man. (laughs) Okay. 31 per day. So I, I think you have some other stats as well. What is the uh the most published in one day?
1: Yep, uh that this year is uh so far this year is January 20th where they released 201 CBEs on that day. That was a that was a big day. Uh the 12th and 13th of January also had 127 and 126 released. So they they come in spurts. You see those days, I follow the the releases on a Twitter account they have called C B E New. I will link to that. And, you know, on busy days like that, they just kind of blow up.
0: Interesting. Well, and, you know, it's funny as you see some of the stuff on Patch Tuesday, which kind of makes sense, right? Like I I would think the busiest day of the month will always be a Patch Tuesday, but that's not quite the case here, right?
1: Yeah. No, I don't think that that happens very often uh, that it's a Patch Tuesday. To be honest, with the data that I've kind of dug through, it looks like the 15th of the month seems to be the day that they really publish a bunch of CVEs. Huh. And and I'm not sure why that is, but that'd be something interesting to dig into and try to, try to pull that out.
0: Maybe that's when all the CNAs have all the interns inputting yeah. the data. <laughs> that is pizza day <laughs> in the
1: office and all the interns show up.
0: <laughs> oh, that is interesting. So yeah, because I, I think we're looking at uh, you have some heat maps, right? And so we'll have all of this stuff, by the way, on the Kenneth Security blog. But so if you want to follow along, they're going to come out live so you can play with Jerry's numbers and all that good stuff as well. Um, but the heat map, that is very interesting. So right dead pretty much in the center of the month. The 15th seemed to be this kind of like hot zone for CVEs that are issued. So in
1: the history of the the NVD, uh, January 15th, this had 772 CVEs published. February fifteenth, it has seven hundred and twelve. Uh, the twelfth of March has had seven hundred and nine, and then you get back to the eighteenth of, of January, seven hundred. So it's like, huh? That that's in the yeah first quarter, but yeah, that's kind of their big their big publishing days.
0: So if things continue this way, do you think we're going to break twenty k this year to go back to your bet? Uh,
1: I'm guessing uh, over the last uh, five years. 15% of all CVEs have been in the first quarter. If the numbers hold, yep. the numbers roll out to about 18,000 CVEs this year, 18,500. It would be a little bit more than last year. It'd be about 8%, I think, is the total over. But this is just guesstimate, and I, mm-hmm. I'm the wrong person to, to do that. I will just be tracking these, these as we go. <laughs>
0: Absolutely. So we do plan on doing this on quarterly, so we'll have a little uh, update blog from Jerry that comes out every quarter. We may not do a podcast unless something really big pops up out of it because there might be some quarters that have something interesting we want to talk. I mean, about. I think
1: the most important part of this is is releasing this Jupiter notebook, and we wanted to talk about that a little bit, right? Like,
0: yes, yeah. so that's that's where I was going with this. Um, you know, talking to you, I think we were, you know the numbers are one thing. It's a good idea, and it's it's. Interesting knowledge just to see, you know, how many CVs are published over the quarter? Is this bigger or less than last year? You know, looking at the numbers and the growth of CNAs, it's all cool stuff. Um, I think, you know, that Jerry is kind of em- embodying kind of security and was talking to me about how collecting and parsing this data is kind of half the fun. So ultimately... Um, how? uh What is a Jupyter Notebook, just to start, because we're going to embed that on a GitHub and all that stuff and kind of go over how people can use that? So,
1: Jupyter is just a visual Python script, right? And the Python script that we're going to release, it has a bunch of Pandas data. Panda uses Panda as uh, part of the library. And we pull down the data from the NVD, right? They, they have it public. And... Like I'm not Michael. Michael is our data scientist and he always will be. But I am a dork, so I love to <laughs> to kind of play with the data and to be able to release it and say, "Hey, here's the data sources, here's what I'm doing." And when you put something like this out on GitHub, someone's going to be able to take this and build off it yep. or, you know, take it and find somewhere I made a mistake and say, "Oh, here, change this," right? Like I just think that it's interesting to be able to release this kind of security data to a wider audience and kind of let them see how it's done and maybe spark an interest. And, you know, this is just an open data set. They can change it to whatever they want. The The descriptions are in there. So if somebody wanted to write and just pull out all the Microsoft vulnerabilities, they, they could expand it that way. But it's it's really goes back to kind of middle school math where it's a lot of show your work. Right. Like, yep. You can tell somebody what, you know, nine times nine equals, but like writing down how you got to it is is what the math problem is. And that's kind of why I like building stuff like this. I like putting it out on the Internet to kind of to get people who are interested kind of at the fringes of data science, uh, like myself, to to give them something to look at and something to build off of. Awesome.
0: Awesome. Very cool. Well, that makes a ton of sense. And we're going to be linking to it via um, GitHub, right?
1: Yeah, we'll put it on GitHub. And uh, Google has a hosted uh, Jupyter server called Colab that anybody with a with a Google account can use for free. So we'll put a little button on there to launch this in there and they'll be able to pull it up and run it uh, with no problems.
0: Awesome, so we normally embed the podcast in kind of its own little mini blog. In this case, we're gonna embed the podcast player within Jerry's blog. So you'll be able to see all of the data if you're listening to it via the kennasecurity.com slash blog. Go check it out next, uh, well, this should be, I think, Wednesday is probably when we're going to get this live. So, And when you have
1: any questions or, you know, file an issue on GitHub or send me a tweet or whatever, I'd love to help make this data set more useful for, for everyone, right? That's part about working at Kenna is kind of giving back to the community and be able to help with these kind of
0: open source kind of fun projects. Absolutely. Well, and speaking of, I mean, people should be able to also get some isc squared cpe credits for listening to this as well so not only do you get a cool little data set you can play with and then feel free to hit us up if you find better ways to do this uh some holes in the work and or you know make something cool we'd love to hear about it so feel free to tweet jerry feel free to tweet at kind of security um, as well and then uh, also on that blog page, you'll be able to go enter your uh, name, email, and ISC member ID to get some credit just for listening to this podcast. So with that, Jerry, any last uh, final thoughts uh, before we hop off?
1: Uh, keep submitting those CVEs so I can, can win this bet with Ed.
0: Yes, yes, we must stuff CVEs. All right, well, thank you so much, Jerry. You have a nice day. You too.